Welcome back, my friends, to the Sweet Spot, where IT leaders share the insight with all leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Horton, Paul Lewis. So, I only have one thing to say. It must be nice to go to Disney World whenever you wish. (laughs) Yeah, I learned from the master. (laughs) As far as I know, you were at Disney within the last two weeks, like last week. That's correct. And then I got a text over the weekend, you're going back to Disney for Christmas. Well, Disneyland Paris, in fairness. It's a whole different Disney. It's... (laughs) Right. So so I, I get that your comment about it must be nice to go to Disney whenever you want is is aimed directly at yourself. <laughs> Hoping to get I, a Disneyland Californian before. We'll see. It, before? Like in between now and then? In between, yeah. Nice. You know, well, well, I gotta try I'm all the same levers of the same ride, right? I do have to. I do have to make a trip out to California to see Disney. We haven't been to, to Disneyland in a while, so let me know. Maybe we could, maybe we could uh, combine. I'm there next week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> what conference is next week in in uh, California? Client meetings and stuff. It just happens mm-hmm. to coincide with geolocation. I see. I see. So, so I, I am curious about something. So we started kind of talking. I, I happen to be in, in the uh, city of Orlando um, at a hotel that's about, I don't know, five minutes from kind of the park entrance stuff where all the signs show up, you know. Yeah. Uh, it might even be 30 seconds from the first sign. So we're pretty close. So uh, I flew in a little early and have spent the last two days going to various Disney parks. Right. We did uh, Epcot, which I haven't done in years. And and really, the, the one time I did it more than a decade ago, it was 2006-ish, uh, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Right, The experience mm. wasn't great. Um, we just went and did it, and I would happily do it again. Even right. though it has massive construction happening in, right in the middle. Uh, yes, and we showed up like, like Sunday morning. They did um, all their races, and all their races are done at Epcot. Right. So they had a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon that all ran not concurrently. So <laughs> right. had people that ran all three of those to get a certain medal. Um, wow. So the, the traffic patterns were all messed up. The lanes were all messed up. Um, like, they made my Uber park. <laughs> like, just directed him to a parking spot. T- flagged him, tagged him the whole nine yards, and then directed him to a parking spot, which says, you know, Disney, which is normally really communicative, and really kind of like they make sure that their employees are aware of things and very helpful. In this yeah. case, it was exactly the opposite. Matter of fact, we couldn't get the attention of the parking attendant to tell us where to go. Great. So we just, he, so we parked and then he just pulled forward and dropped us at a most convenient location that seemed to make sense. Um, <laughs> so, so, but once we get inside the park, the experience was, was fabulous. And my my question for you guys kind of is like how much time do you spend studying systems and kind of finding workarounds right i have a portion of my time yeah yeah i even have tools to look at it so i'm right now going in the process of of a certification that have 14 parts and each part they got you so you can learn the process but then they ask you to actually, they use a the term funnel hack. 
They actually want you to study the system so then you can replicate it and find the mistakes that they made on purpose so you can fix it. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. And it takes a significant amount of time, but it actually then makes it so much better because you can then improve for everything else that you're doing. Yeah, it's something I've I've kind of noticed in engineers. Like um, the the my commute to work when I worked in an office that was the same office, like I had three routes, and I knew within minutes which route was going to be the busiest route based on the traffic pattern of the day. Mm. Right, mm. time I left, day of the week. You know, Denver experiences all four seasons, unlike Miami. So, like Miami has, what do you guys have? You have you have humid. And hurricane, right? You have two <laughs> yeah, that will change tomorrow, probably. We we are a little bit humid. That hurricane may come, may not come. So, that yes, like Nicole's banging on the door, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. She's made a couple phone calls. She's made a reservation with Miami. It's unsure whether she'll show up for her date night or not. Right. Her party on the town. Um, but but it's something that I've noticed with engineers. And, and one of the things that I did over the weekend, um, so getting into Epcot, like I said, was a bit of a pain. And it just took forever. When we left, we, instead of walking to the front of the park and going out the same way we came in, we went out the back of the park, right. hopped Paris. on the ferry, which would take you to uh, Dolphin and, and Swan. It also yep. takes you to the boardwalk. So we took it to the boardwalk, walked right out front of the hotel there, and picked up an Uber. Nice. And in the same time it would have taken us to walk to the front of the park, we were in our Uber. Right. And it was half the distance, no traffic whatsoever to deal with, no nothing. There was one, you know, one additional stoplight kind of thing. Um, and then on the way back in the next day, we went to Hollywood Studios. Yeah. Did the same thing. Interesting. Right. Mm. Only we stayed until after the park closed. Right. Because, again, our dinner reservation was at 850 at night. Right. Sure. Park closes yeah. at nine during the week during off season. So when we left, it actually would have been quicker just to pick up an Uber in front of the park. But we did the same thing and it was much, much longer. Of course, we were at the we, we had to go to all the other stops on, you know, on our journey from the boardwalk to Hollywood Studios. Right. So it had more more stops on the on the little uh, boat. Um, and it was it was later, right? So the the number of Ubers had gone down, hmm. right? So I just I find it interesting that, and my thought wasn't okay. I did that. I'll do it again. Blah blah blah. My thought was okay. Cool. Now I have more data to interpret for how I would do this next time and what advice I would give people. Hmm. You've you know registered I mean? like, that as uh, new tips and tricks, right? And so now it's gamification, right? So were I to do it again. I would actually yeah. take, I would have them drop me off at the Sky Tram and take the Sky Tram over to Hollywood Studios. Yeah, smart. <clears throat> much straighter shot, much easier to get in and out of, don't have to wait on the boat, et cetera, et cetera. So I also do that kind of stuff, but I do it at kind of three different levels. So at the highest macro, let's say I'm going on a vacation with the family. I travel frequently, so I have generally a good appreciation how to navigate the world, but it's much more difficult to do that with a family of four who travels far less and with eight bags instead of one carry-on bag. The biggest issue with traveling families transfers, right? It's not when you're at Disney, it's getting from the airport to Disney or right. to dinner or to whatever, right? And therefore, 
I pre-plan exactly how I get to place to place. That that is a known entity. I I now know the fifteen ways to get from Charles de Gaulle to Disneyland Paris, and which right. way is going to be the most effective, and what's going to align with the timing I needed to align to. Just so that's the bigger one. The middle ground is much more like Disney esque, where we're thinking about using Genie Plus and what's the best place and what what do I do for rope drop and what are the orders to which I want to do the rides to maximize the amount of rides. And then finally at the micro setting, and I know this sounds weird, but every single trip I take, personal or um, business, I look at a map of the hotel and I do a search for the closest coffee around that hotel. <laughs> so I already know that 7 a.m. the next day, the walk I need to take to get to the coffee that I'm going to enjoy every time, all the time. Right. So so if your doctor came to you and said, hey, Paul, um, you do a fairly good job of, of treating yourself well, but your, your caffeine is off the charts. It, right. You've got a heart problem. Caffeine's going to kill you. You need to cut out all caffeine. How much do you think Starbucks stock would drop in value? <laughs> it's pretty significant. Hmm. <laughs> it would be enough that they'd have to inform investors. That's <clears throat> right. And 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 how would like what what would Pythian's reaction be to the reduction in your expense report? <laughs> like, would you get a call? Hey, Paul. Did, like, did something change? Did you stop traveling for half of the time? Are you, right. booking, are you booking like a way lower class of hotel? <laughs> if only you could convert, like, if only you get Marriott points for your Starbucks spend. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oddly enough, I do get aeroplane points. Right. <laughs> oh, we need because, to talk about that. Because loading a Starbucks card using my credit card actually produces aeroplane points. So everybody wins. I do have to say for anybody listening, if you if you travel more than 25% of the time and you don't maximize your points, you're leaving you're effectively leaving money on the table. Yeah. Right? Um I know sometimes we sound like, well, dickheads because we spend so much time talking about about status, but we're on the road a lot. We're right. pulled away from our families a lot. It's extremely disruptive. Right. It is the only real benefit that you get is, yeah, I travel so much. My family gets a free vacation once a year. Right. Paul travels so much. His family never has to live in their house. They're on vacation all the time. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> or a constant co vacations coming home. Well, yeah, you're, you're either. It just seems like you're either planning a vacation or on a vacation. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> It is easily a 10 to 15 fold effort of planning to actual. Absolutely true. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Thinking about it, look like you guys plan, you look ahead when you're going to go on something. If we look at a year and how organizations work, is there something that managers, director, leaders, executives should be looking so we're around almost at the end of the year to actually try to start wrapping up the year. Hey, did I have success on this year? Did I miss the mark? What can I do for getting ready for the next year, not knowing what may come? Could my budget be cut next year because of external circumstances or 
how to get ready to say, yep, we accomplished something and now we're getting ready for the next one. Yeah. So, so let's, I think that's a great question. And let's, let's kind of look at it as though you're kind of planning year matches the calendar year. Plus we're also human beings. And so we tend to think of, regardless of how our organizations are, we tend to think of January 1st as the beginning of our year and December 31st as the close of our year. As executives, like I don't think of December 31st as the close of my year. My year actually closes like November 15th. <laughs> right. Because I've right? already submitted what next year looks like by that point. Correct. Because I've budgeted for next year. I've planned for next year. I've My strategy is three years, right? So all the things that are really critical to me should be done and vacation start mid-November, right? And I really need to be on top of that. And that's something that I think is really is is probably more important this year than most years. Hmm. Right? 2020 was kind of a shock and a surprise to us. So the change in workforce and and kind of that beginning of the great resignation hit us all with a surprise. Couldn't really plan for it. <clears throat> We expected budgets to be hit in 2021. They weren't. 2021 was a banging year for, for many people that, you know, if your company survived, it seemed to survive well. If your company didn't survive, well, that was a different problem. Mm-hmm. And then 2022, kind of the same thing for the first half, right? Like we went into 2022 expecting it to be like 2021, not expecting a recession. We still had issues with the great resignation, right? But we also were given additional funds and, and some companies in a huge way, right? Microsoft doubled the amount of money they had available for funds specifically based around retention right right for employees so so now but now we're coming into 2023 and all the signs are pointing to recession yep. right um most people lost everything they gained in the stock market during the last couple of years right now we're and we haven't exited the great resignation right we've seen right. some slowing but some acceleration Right. It's very it's very kind of interesting and, and really kind of should have us all kind of walking on eggshells. We don't exactly know what's going to happen. And so that all of that means my year is effectively over and I really should start looking at it as though it is. This is not a time for your last great push to complete stuff before the end of the year because of that great resignation. And so now what I'm doing is, is I'm really looking at strategies around what can I do to ensure everyone uses vacation. Everyone gets to relax for the holidays. What can mm-hmm. I do? Like, like I should have, I should have changes turned off, right? If it's not a critical outage, I should not be trying to push big changes right now. And I really should be looking at what does a skeleton crew look like to enable people to take the vacation they want? Because I really need to be focused on retention because it's unlikely if someone leaves that that will turn into an open wreck. Yeah, I agree. And in math terms, 2023 looks like a, you know, give or take 3.94% increase in budget against a 8% inflation rate, right? Against a potentially 15% increase across the board compensation. So now it's not a 3.9% increase. It's actually um, a pretty significant anywhere between 17 to 21% decrease in IT budget in real dollar terms which means I have to figure out how to do different work with less engaged staff and a good portion they're still looking outside. In fact, not only is it a good portion, probably about a third of your staff has already 
have offers and about a quarter of those have more than one offer, which is more than what they make now. So we're, we're going up against a tide of still big change against a budget to which um, will not create a lot of innovation for me. That's a challenging year. Yeah. And if I think about kind of the devil I know versus the devil I don't, which is something I always go through when I'm looking at a new job, right? I know, I know what the picture is where I'm at. Like I know what the full package is, right? How hard is it? Not just how much vacation do you have? How hard is it to take vacation? What does my day-to-day look like, right? When something goes right, do you get praised? When something goes wrong, you know, do you get shat on? Like I know what all of those things are, right? I, so, I, so I really have a good picture of that. And, and all I really know about a new place is statistics and a little bit of information I can glean from, you know, if I know somebody that works there, what their personal experience is, and kind of what Glassdoor or LinkedIn or something says. I say kind of because I don't really have a lot of faith that those things are honest. Right. Right. Um, and so all, everyone is kind of in that same position. And so now really is a good time if you if you take that focus, like I suggested, and really focus on employee well-being and happiness, now really is a good time to work on that that retention so that people who who maybe were planning on you know departing in January can be can be saved and retained. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I'd argue that compensation while increasing will be the same no matter where you go and therefore the cultural implications becomes my primary decision maker, whether that's developer or executive. I think I'm much more likely, and therefore most people are much more likely, to go to a place where they have a much better appreciation of what the cultural is. In other words, I'm going to go somewhere to a company to which I know somebody already works at who's already provided valuable feedback on how that cultural actually works versus hoping that the grass is greener on the other side because the grass is never greener on the other side. Therefore, why would I take that risk, right? Unless it's so bad here that anything is better. Sure, right? Well, like, I, I, I bet half of the Twitter employees currently believe that the grass is greener somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, anytime you work for, I've, I've worked for Mad Men before, and, and I think anytime you work for a madman, it's, um, it's always greener somewhere else, right? Like, like you're in that piece of the forest that is all burnt and scraggly and everything's a bog and it smells of sulfur and lightning strikes randomly for no apparent reason. And there's R-O-U-S-S's and, and, you know, flames, flames, uh, you know, come out of the carpet three times a day in your office. And, you know, like I've been in those organizations, absolutely everywhere is greener. And it's amazing how much even just a little bit of green makes a difference. Right in in your life, and, and it's it, that's another thing that I that I think is worth noting. Right, At, like target age of retirement sixty seven now. Mm-hmm. Right, so yes, more money means you can retire earlier, two three years maybe. Right, right. Um, that means in your career, say it starts at twenty seven, just to pick something easy. Right, that means your career is forty years long, twenty seven to sixty seven. Right. Um, should I should I concentrate on the years starting at 64, right, retiring three years early being really good, or would it be okay to keep it at 67 if the years up to 67 were that much better? Right. You, you know what I mean? Like, right. Like it's, yeah, it's, really easy. It's, it's very easy to go, I'll take the money so I can retire earlier 
even if it means I'm miserable. Yeah, but you're going to be miserable for two decades. Right. And there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to retire at 67. There's no guarantee that that's all going to work out the way that you think it is. Look, if you can retire at 40 and you're 25 right now, by all means, suck it up, you know, get get crapped on for 15 years because the money is that amazing. Retire at 40. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Right. But but if you're looking at the difference between, say, 62 and 67, right, five years early, really think about is is 35 years of crap really worth it? Is 10 years of crap really worth it? Right. Right. Is, so don't is, work for a management consulting house for 40 years. Is that what you're saying? Right. <laughs> right. Like really think about, you know, the, the big picture, right? What is the culture value to you? What is the, you know, the quality of life while you're working, not just the quality of life after you're done working. Right. So folks, so as a CIO, we're going to focus on that at least for the remainder of the year, which is, you know, less than two months. How does that change how 2023 operates? I've got a smaller budget or at least it's a bigger budget in numbers, but a smaller budget in terms of actually spend. Um, what do I do differently? Am I changing my innovation versus keep the lights on? Am I, am I spending more in migrations and modernizations? Do I stop all modernizations? What's, what's the outlook? I mean, I think it, I think it depends organization to organization, right? But I really, I'm really looking at places um, at places where I can reduce and, and ideally like I would be looking for those spends, those things that I've kept around because I've kept them around and I just haven't had time to get to them. Hmm. Right. My experience is that's where the big savings have been. Those things that you keep dragging on that no one really wants to address that have just been kind of a pain and they're not sexy and they're not exciting. Hmm. Right. I'd start. Can I can I address some of those? Are there things I can simply wipe off the budget? Right. And then I'd really be looking at what capabilities do I need for 2023 that I simply don't have. Right. And can I do I have recs open for things I could outsource is effectively, you know, kind of places I would be looking. Right. Um, are there things I can have somebody take over that aren't really adding a tremendous amount of value to my business? and refocus the employees I have on the things that add, you know, value to my business, better alignment with the business units, better communication, ways to show the value of IT in a little bit more natural, um, in a little bit more natural way than I'm otherwise able to do. Right. Uh, I would look at 2023 and say, I want to be far less of an absolutist and far more of a, a focus on diversification. Right. So the absolutism of cloud first, cloud only, the absolutism of thou, I shalt DIY everything I do, the absolutism of IT equals intellectual property isn't actually true. It was never true. And even though you might thought it was true, it was actually never true. And if I can go away or at least reduce the absolutism and say, you know what, diversification is my friend. Diversification is reality. I will always have a data center and cloud and edge and partners and tasks and all those things. Great. Now that that's true, where do I focus my time of my 5,000 workloads? Where do I first focus my time on diversification of skill sets, of capabilities, as you just said? How do I focus diversification of my people, like in terms of, diversification of the makeup and culture of the people on my team 
that's where I would spend 2023 is throw away this must be's and put a lot more emphasis on the, what I have and diversifying what I have to be even better. Yeah. And I think, I think if I think through that thought, it's also, um, where was I investing because of absolutism, not because it was what was best for the organization necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. If, if, if cloud first is what I determined was the strategy, I don't care whether it was handed to me or I came up with it. Um, and that meant I needed three cloud architects and six cloud engineers. And we've already said the biggest place my budget is growing and there's, I'm not really going to be able to stop it is in my people, right? My workforce. Then do I really need that cost today for the purpose of, of absolutism, for the purpose of an arbitrary decision that ultimately we we all know is just arbitrary, right? That the end state is hybrid multi-cloud. We know this to be true. So do I really need to force this absolutism to cloud knowing the hybrid part means some of it comes back? Or instead, do I, do I really look at my strategy and say, how does my strategy support my business? And what pieces of that strategy in order to support my business must be cloud or must be modernized, I guess would be an okay way to look at it. Yep. And, and the DIY, I think the biggest harm, while cloud per cloud only has been a harm to teams, I think DIY has been the biggest harm really, is that I'm under the impression as a CIO that I'm smarter than the vendors and I know my business and therefore I know technology better and therefore I'm much more likely to empower my team to build new things rather than partner with an ecosystem of talent that would bring capability into my organization. That philosophy has to have a hard stop in 2023, in my opinion. Uh, you, other people of. are smarter than you. Better technology is built somewhere else. Embrace that reality instead of presuming that you have all the skill sets you'll ever need to succeed. So, so I, I would kind of agree with you. <laughs> Good. Because it's on the preposition that I believe my people are the smartest. I believe I can build the best technology, right? Like there's some suppositions there. And yeah. for those people that have those suppositions, yes, those suppositions have to go away. And if that's prevented you from growing your ecosystem, those suppositions, discard those suppositions today. Right. Like like there is there are things that, that are simply truisms. The truisms are better technology exists outside your organization, better people exist outside your organization, and you've likely never seen the best thing in any particular vertical. You've likely never seen the best storage. You've never seen the best SIM. You've never seen the best XDR. You've never seen, and you don't freaking need the best, right? You need something good enough for your business. Okay. So if we assume, great, we can discard all those things. Now the barrier to improving my ecosystems might be, I don't actually know what I need. And I haven't found anybody that I can trust that can actually help me, mm -hmm. right? It's that trust piece that I find a lot of people are frustrated by. Okay, cool. Um, I, I know I don't make the best dashboarding. Like I can't roll my own with Grafana to make my, the best dashboarding. Uh, so I'll pick a dashboard vendor. There are 87 of them. They all say they're absolutely the best. They all say they're perfect. They all say they're magic. They all can't be. Or, or, you know, this is ridiculous. So 
who do I actually trust to do this? Who do I trust to help me make a decision? And the last time I did it, what we ended up with was way too complicated, which is how we got into the role you're own to begin with. Mm-hmm. Or, it, or they didn't actually support us. Or it, was, it ended up costing 5x what they said it did. Or, 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 right? Um, and that's where I think a lot of the challenge comes in, is finding people to trust, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and, and my response is start looking for advisors, not consultants, the goals are very different, right? The goal of an advisor is charge you a lot per hour and keep the number of hours incredibly low. Right. But the goal of a consultant is charge you a lot per hour and get as many hours as possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> an, an advisor wants to maximize an hour with you, tell you as much as they physically right. can in the hour that which they've allocated to do. Correct. Whereas consultants want to do hour every hour for 40 hours, Correct. for 40 weeks. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Correct. So they will tell you as little as possible of that hour. Right. Yeah. And so, and really leverage those things to say who can I trust? Like that should be the question, not right. what do I need, who can I trust? Like how do I? What does a, a good decision framework for this look like? What does a good challenge and response framework look like? Where should I be doing RFPs? Where should I be awarding business? Right. right. Where should I go directly to a vendor? Where should I involve a third party? In some cases, you want an MSP. In some cases, you want a managed service. In some cases, you just want to purchase it as SaaS. In some cases, you want to involve a vendor. In some cases, a partner is going to be a better way to go, right? Um, and, and, and really, those are the things that an advisor can really help you with and really help you understand. And now is a good time to really look at what is my ecosystem, my, as a CIO, what does my to- total ecosystem look like to help me figure out where the best place is to make decisions. How do I make these decisions? What decisions am I comfortable with? Do I have trust and has that trust been good versus which ones do not? I think a lot of this is based on a, an error in judgment. And that error in judgment is the presumption that I'm unique as compared to any other organization, any other IT shop. We hear it all the time. I'm sure we all hear it all the time where they say, this particular service to which you're offering or product you're offering doesn't fit my use case, doesn't fit my way of doing business, doesn't fit my unique IT style. When the reality is you do not, in fact, have a unique IT style. If anything, your uniqueness is the wrongness that you've implemented. Right, right. right? In fact, it's in your best interest to actually implement best practice process. Best yeah. practice IT automation, best practice organizational business process. And the fact that you think you the fact that you think you are unique is odd, but then you that you insist to make IT decisions because of that incorrect assumption of uniqueness, that's the root cause of most of these things, in my opinion. Well or incorrect valuation of uniqueness. Right. Right. Like even if you are unique, that uniqueness doesn't have the value you think it does. <laughs> right. Right. The, um, the likelihood that the first bank of Wawa has the scaling needs of Google is small. Is zero. <laughs> so, so when they talk about, well, how come I don't have the ability to burst to, you know, 300 core? It's because you only use four. Right. right. You have no need to burst. <laughs> and bursting isn't your problem. <laughs> right. Your limitation is, is not based on bursting even 1%. 
So the fact right. that that capability doesn't exist, it should not be a like. It's not even worth the time to ask the question. That's not <laughs> where your problem is. And right. it, and again, it kind of comes back to trust, right? Either you're trusting the wrong people, those who are telling you that bursting is your problem, or you're not trusting anyone. In which case, you're not armed to be able to ask the right questions. Right, and that's part of that's part of really where that trust focus needs to be is is you know how do I how do I get to the point where I know my business well enough to ask the right questions and I know the technology needs or capabilities well enough to know how to align those things like what does that matrix look like for me and how do I make those correct decisions mm -hmm. and and it's a challenge no doubt but that's really like I would be focused on workforce and answering that question right do I have the things necessary to make those decisions? Am I able to make sure I can ask the right questions for 2023 and 2024, right? Am I gonna go into 2023 making sure that my people all understand the questions that we know to be right and those that are still open? Those are the things I'd really be focused on right now as I, as I look to close out the year. And just look back on the last year, look back on the last two years and say, how many times has this come up? How many missteps have we made? And can we identify some of the reasons why we made those missteps? Do we see any consistency of pattern, right? People, partner, process. Those are the three things that I would look at. And do we need to prepare to be resilient like we did in 2020? Is something else going to come up either as a singleton or in convergence on a variety of things that I have to deal with differently than I did before or better than what I did before? Well, my friends, I think that is interesting to focus on wrapping up the year under the date. For a lot of people, they don't get that the budget closes before the end of the year because they need to be set up for the next year. Um, but with all those details, make sure that you take the time, take notes. This episode have a lot of golden nuggets. Sit down with your team, take a look at it. Do you need to make some tough decisions? Hey, were there some things that you need to not focus on and focus on other ones? Because that's going to make the difference to be ready for next year. My friends, we'll see you on our next episode.